sometimes it can feel a bit weird praying, speaking out those things up there. You're like, well, I just put money in a pot or I pay by standing order or whatever you do, give by standing order. The money isn't buying something. The, the sacrificial giving positions you for something. I just like want to reiterate that. You can't buy things off God. It, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I don't know what we possibly think we could have that we could use to purchase something from God. But there is something about our sacrificial giving in finances, in our time, in what we call worship, that, that repositions us. And that's, that's that. Anyway, I just want to tell you something before we, um, before we carry on from this point. For those who've been around here a while, you will know that things are changing around here and, and, and that's a great thing. So some people who maybe have been away a year, 18 months, two years, they come back and say, oh, this feels like a different place. You're like, yes, it's good. We want it to be a different place. Um, And there have been a few words, um, a few things that God has spoken to us. And and one of them specifically really has been about, um, as you can see, we're trying to change the style of how people see. We, We want to get rid of this sort of slightly... I think it's called didactic, isn't it? This, this, this approach. Um, the way someone speaks for 30 minutes, I used to be a teacher, a deputy head. I did lots of lesson observations to check they were of a good standard. If the teacher spoke for 30 minutes, I'd fail the lesson in a moment. It's too long. So we're trying to break this up. We don't want it to be the platform out to the people. That's not what we want. We're trying to break that down and break that up. And none more so than this morning. So, this was interesting. I got a message from Rachel, our um, wonderful site manager here. She messaged me earlier in the week and said, the lectern's broken, not, not the wooden one that I tend to use, the perspective one. The lectern's broken. Um, do you want to have a look at it? Or do you want me to get a new one? So I, I broken? What do you mean? I messaged back, I said... Broken? What do you mean broken? Like, I can fix some things, but like, hang on a minute, what do you mean broken? And she said, oh no, the perspex, the, the perspex top is literally snapped in half. So I said, wow, who did that? And didn't fess up. Like, you can't accidentally do that, right? Um, oh, we've got no idea. So I said, well, can you look on the cameras? Not because we're trying to be vindictive, you're not, nor try to get money out. So it's not that. You just want to be able to go and say, hey, was there a problem with the lectern? Like, as if to say, we're family. If you break something, you say something, right? You know, and I wasn't like massively annoyed. I'm more like, that's weird, isn't it? Anyway, she said yes, and I left her at a different point to go and have a look at the cameras. Now, in, before I knew the outcome of the cameras... And I'm just looking for anyone looking guilty around here. No, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. Before I knew the outcome of the cameras, I had just this moment, just a moment of interruption from God, where I said, God, is this you? Are you saying something through this? I don't mean, I don't mean that God spoke from heaven and the thing shattered in two. I'm not saying that. Maybe it did. I don't know. But I am saying it's really interesting that the lectern is symbolic of the, 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 the priest and the people approach. Would, would you not say, do you get what I mean? Give me some nods. Work with me here, right. 
I'm not saying God's broken it, but I am saying, God, are you saying something through this to us? Like this feels, this feels like one of those God things where God's over in the corner, quietly smiling to himself. That thing. And so we've asked another couple of people who I trust to hear from God and we're all agreed. Yeah, I think, I think God is doing something. He broke, the, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom at the moment Jesus died. And it was because there was a new way. There didn't need to be a dividing anymore. There was a new way that Jesus was revealing through him dying. And so the cameras, I can't see it on the cameras. I'm not claiming it's God. I'm not claiming it's an angel. I mean, if there were camera footage of nobody in here and the lectern suddenly split in two, come on. (laughs) Right? That's exciting. I know we've got to buy a new lectern probably at some point. But we spoke briefly this morning and said, let's not quickly buy another one. Well, I mean, practically, they're useful to hold stuff, right? I tend to use the table anyway, but... Let's not rush out to buy another one, but let's sit in this word that God seems to be speaking through a broken lectern. Let's just sit in that for a while. And when we feel peace about getting another one, we'll get another one. But until then, there isn't one. It's a good thing, right? I think it's a good thing. Um, So this morning, um, Herb and I are doing kind of a bit of a a double act. Um, and I would like to invite Herbie up. So as Herbie comes up, please do give him a big round of applause. And one of the things I love, just join me up here just for a second, mate. I know you're going to want to get back down. So am I. It's a lighting issue. Um, one of the things that this moment affords you is the opportunity to say something nice about someone in front of other people, right? So I... Um, Friendships, when you're a pastor, are a complicated thing. I'll just leave that at that. Um, when people say, how many friends have you got? Like, well, I don't, I don't, don't really know. How, how are you defining friend? You know, like I know stack of people and whatever. But this man really is a friend. Um, and he is one of those people who if I needed him at 3 a.m., he'd come in a moment. And there's theological things that we don't agree on and we don't even really care that we don't agree on them because we're brothers. We just don't, it doesn't matter, right? It's all right. He tries to persuade me of some things. I try to persuade him of others. And then we just go, yeah, oh well. It's not, it's not the end of the world. We, we agree on Jesus and a whole load more besides. Um, and Herb is catalytic. I don't know whether you've noticed, but uh, Herb has the ability to change a room and an atmosphere, as everybody does. Herbie's, Herbie just has a way where that seems to happen. And his readiness and willingness to engage with people over the things of God is just a precious, beautiful thing. How many, just out of interest, how many of you here have had some kind of conversation with Herb, probably about God? Wow. Wow. There you go. And so um, we decided as we came into September, out of August and out of the summer, the talks, we nearly always do a little series. 
and we decided, you know what, we're not going to do a series. And I've said to the people who normally do the talks, what I want you to do is just get before God at the beginning of the week and I don't care what you talk on, talk on anything. Just talk about whatever you feel God is giving you to speak about. It doesn't matter if it's not thematic. Um, And so that's what we're doing. So the first one, this one in September, I know it was technically the first one last week. This first one in September is nearly always me, typically how it works, and normally I set some some vision out for the year. Um, But we just didn't feel to do that this time. Instead, Herb and I had a conversation about you're here, and I said, can you, come and, can you come and say that? I want you to come and do that. You come and say that. He said, what, bro? How was that? So, here he is. So, um, Herbie. Hello. Um, I know that you, um, just tell us about the clothing first of all, because people are going to be wondering. <laughs> You've told me, and I love the answer, just tell me, why are you, why are you dressed like that? Okay, so everyone who knows me knows I don't wear shoes or full clothing. Uh, but when preparing for this moment, uh, Abba said to me, wear some clothes. And we're grateful he did. Thank you, I yeah. mean, you know. And the, the purpose of that, he said, wasn't for him, wasn't for me, but it was for those who were watching on. It almost gave a shock value for people to pay attention to him through me. So... That's that part. So for me, this is nakedness. This is humility. I hate wearing clothes. So I humbled myself before you guys. Bless you, mate. So what's the, um, before I ask you about your story, we've talked about this. What's the aim of this morning? What do you, what do you want to have happened at the end? What would you love to have happened? My greatest desire is that we would return to God. That we would find the deepest parts of intimacy, relationship, breakthrough, everything that is for a Christian or a believer that we're not seeing now and we haven't seen for hundreds of years. We've had moments in the past where you've seen revivals break out and uh, sometimes the fruit of that is very minimal. These revivals will last for years There'll be great changes, but not always transformations that happen within the lives of individuals. And my heart's desire is that all of our ears would be inclined back to God and that he would become the main thing and that we would dismantle the things that are distracting us and we would dismantle the things that have become idols to us, that have become God to us, that we would find humility and bow the knee and that... His will would be done and not ours. I know that's a lot. That's a lot in there. Because I think that uh, through history, we found that if you gave your yes to Jesus, that was pretty much the end of the story. You know, you're in the team, you're in the club, you got your ticket, you're good to go. But there is a cost to being a follower of Christ. And it costs your life. And somewhere along the line, we forgot about that. And somewhere along the line, we made things become more important than knowing the one who gives us life. So that would be my aim. It's a big aim. It's almost an impossible task. Jesus came to do that task. And there's many more others who have followed, 
But uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. You, we're going to do a psalm, right? Do you want to do that? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so, we could carry on with talking, but why don't we stand? Why don't we stand together? And I'm going to say, uh, we're going to read a psalm over each other. We did this before with Psalm 23, if you remember. And we're going to speak one to another. We're going to speak psalms over each other. And the purpose of this is to awaken our souls. It's not for God. It's for us to awaken our souls. So we're going to read Psalm 63. Okay, so I'm going to say the first part. You guys repeat it, saying it to each other. Don't worry about reading it. Don't worry about looking at it up there. Look at each other. Speak this to each other as if you know God. All right? Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feasts. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you. Meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. you describe yourself as a follower of Jesus. I've heard you describe yourself at one point as an atheist. Um, you had, but you've been in church for years. Um, so you've been in church for years as a kind of practicing atheist. <laughs> and then you had something amazing happen, which I know for you has been pivotal in your life. It's like it's literally a turning point, a uh, uh, and you're going to tell us a bit about that. Sure. Uh, before I do, let me just give honour to one of our pillars of Ashford who is here. Oh, well, two of them. Uh, Minister Joyce Lamb and uh, Evangelist uh, David Lamb. They've Indeed. come here. So we honour you guys and thank you for what you guys bring to the room. Appreciate you. So my story. Um, <clears throat> quickly, quickly. Uh, I was a Christian for 23 years, and I had a relationship with the church organization and Christianity. That's pretty much how I can 
uh, wrap that all into a ball. Um, so I knew church inside out. Uh, I was part of leadership in those 23 years in, in different churches, but I didn't really have a relationship with God because I didn't actually know what that looked like. I had a relationship with the, the, the religion, Christianity. That's the truth. And then uh, after 23 years of that, I decided to become an atheist. And I did that for two years, and I still came to church, which is hilarious. Um, but I, I went through deconstructing everything that I had learned. Uh, I deconstructed all the, uh, the language and everything. And I was a happy atheist. That's the honest truth. And then God. So two years into that, I, um, I had an encounter. And it was a life-changing, transformational encounter. And I met the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father, Abba, all in one blast in my front room. And uh, there's a man who will always be a part of my story, and his name is John Haywood. And John Haywood sat with me in my front room, and both of us talked about how much we didn't believe in God over pizza and mango fizzy. (laughs) And then... He asked a question, and that question set off a a set of three other questions, which I then began to speak out um, audibly. And as I spoke those three questions out, I came to terms with that there was a cost to knowing God. It wasn't just my yes. It wasn't just coming and doing all the dutiful things. It wasn't just stuff. And then at that moment, and I don't expect anyone to ever believe me when I tell this story because it sounds too far-fetched, but in my front room, I physically, as I said those words, at the end of it, well, I, I said, well, if that's the cost, I believe. And as soon as I said those words, I felt this heavy weight, like a helmet being taken off my head, a backpack being taken off my shoulders, and I physically saw scales, uh, for those of you who don't know, that, like a, um, something that was covering my sight. They fell off my eyes physically. I saw that from the inside out. But the thing that made this, uh, validated this experience was the person who was sitting across the room from me, John, who was an atheist, saw my experience. And he said to me, dude, what happened to your eyes? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I saw something fall from your eyes. Your eyes have changed. And I went, you saw that? And he said, yeah. And at that moment, I wasn't able to reason away the power of God in my front room. And so he stood up. So I stood up. And then he started to weep. So I went over to give him a cuddle. And, I, and then he, he gripped me by the, the scruff of my neck as an atheist. And he said, Herb, I thought that if you believed in God, that I would have less respect for you. And he goes, but I've got more respect for you now than I've ever had for you. And then he kind of walked out of my life. And that was uh, 10, 11 years ago. 
And so that's, that's my story in a nutshell. I had a transformation. I met God. He is alive. He's very much real. And he is still working like that today. So an atheist led me to Christ. Who would have thought? What are, the, what are some of the big what are some of the big obstacles that are in the way it's all right I'm back what are the big obstacles that are in the way do you think that need to be broken down need to be dismantled need to be smashed for people to get to that point? So talk to us in here and the people on the live stream. What are the kind of things that you see? As I mentioned before, there are things that we've built up in our own minds that we think are things of God, and some of them are. But we hold on to those things and we make them traditions. And then those traditions then take the place of God. Yeah. So, for instance... Uh, we, we will, like a lectern, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for instance, we take, this is important as we gather. Gathering is important. But, and I've, I've heard Chris say this on the, on the stage before, and, and many others. They talk about people who go to um, football matches. And why are they so, yeah, and they've, but then when you come to church, it just seems dead. Right? Was that just me? No, no, it's, so, no, it's true. Yeah, yeah. And for me, what I see and I observe is that I don't think people genuinely think that their God is alive. How would they know if he is alive then? Because the thing that we used to talk about when I was young was that this whole idea of Christianity was based on a relationship. What does a relationship actually look like? And we've got this kind of obscure way that we have this relationship with God, like a him and us type deal. But Jesus is the one that said that the kingdom of God is within us. And God is much closer to us than we actually think. Right? And so we get caught up again in the, in the traditions of man and our own thinking, our own understanding. And so we lose, we, we lose the main thing, which is Jesus Christ and that relationship with Christ and that relationship with the Spirit of God and that relationship with Abba Father. And so for me, the biggest part of a relationship is communication. But what we tend to do is we take that communication and we do all the talking. Right? But the most important person who's supposed to do the talking is often silent because we don't allow him to talk. And so that's, that's a factor for me, is that the, the relationship side of this is based on communication where the main person does all the speaking. I do all the listening. Because then how am I to be obedient if I can't hear him? How am I to be obedient if I can't hear what he's telling me to do? And yet I get it. God can talk through 
nature and through other people and stuff, but there is a personal relationship where you and I can hear the voice of God and have that relationship on a daily basis. But I'm not entirely sure that everyone believes that. You can hear God and have a personal relationship with a very much alive God who is the same one who was alive yesterday, is the same one who was alive today, and he'll be ever alive. That God is with you. Okay? <laughs> so, yeah. Right, let me ask then. For some of you, some of you won't know that um, Herb has been leading slash facilitating a group called four to seven because it meets four a.m. till seven a.m. every day and there is there is there are lives changing as a result of that group you would say and I would only half agree with this it's not really anything to do with you I would half agree there is there is a this year, I've just literally made this language up, a facilitative anointing. There's something about the anointing on you that facilitates, so, so there's that. But also, what is it that happens in that group that means lives are changing? It's not the only place lives are changing, but lives are changing in that group. Why? For me, I can't answer on behalf of everyone. Can you put your hand up if you come to four to seven? Wow, Awesome. I can't answer on behalf of everyone here, but for me personally, the reason that it works is because we're not holding to any form, format leading by us as humans, but we are sitting and waiting and allowing God to say what he wants to say into our own individual lives. And everyone in the room is welcome to speak as well. It's not based on one priest or a priestly person, or a celebrity name to have to speak on your behalf. Every person in that room can hear God, and they can hear God for themselves, and they can hear God for others. And then we've got people in the room who are being humble so that they can hear what God is saying through others and what God is saying to them individually. Because you have to be humble in order to hear the voice of God. <laughs> That's a given. It's a given, right? Isn't it, chief? It's a given. You have to be humble in order to hear the voice of God because you've got to recognize it. You have to recognize him. So, yeah, that's why I think that that's, that's part of the thing. But I'm sure there's many people at four to seven um, who would have a, their reasons why they think it's working. I just want to change tack slightly, and I, this is going to lead into some questions. Um, in a minute, I'm going to bring the mic. I think there might be some people who've just got questions. You can just ask. Um, you have seen, I'm not going to use that language, I was going to say more than your fair share of miracles. It's not more than your fair share. It's everything, it's not even a quarter of what God has made available to not you. Right? Not, even not even touching the, the surface. No, no we've, we totally agree on that. But for most people, they would see Herb as seeing more miracles than they do in their life. I know it's a miracle that we're breathing and I, I, and I never want to devalue that those miracles but you know what I mean those, those miracles and Herb has seen Herb has grown people's arms out he's grown people's arms too long um, 
uh, and then just for fun, you know, and, and they come back. You know, it's some play stuff, right? But also, Herb has seen many miracles. A number of people have prayed and they've seen miracles because they've prayed. Why, why do you see the number of miracles you do? And part B, why do you not see more? Tough question. Um, <clears throat> thank you, bro. Appreciate that. So, first off, there is nothing special about Herb. Thank you. My American brother from Lafayette. Good. There's nothing special about me in per se. I think what it comes down to is that not everybody, again, observation, not everybody believes who they are in Christ. Not everybody is tuning into their identity in Christ. Not everyone believes who God says that they are. Not everyone believes what God says he can do. He is the God of the impossible. I thankfully had that moment where he broke through into my life 10, 11 years ago. And from that moment on, I could not not believe. Because he became the God that I had always wanted to know from the Bible. And he became real to me. So this is available for every single person in this room and online. Every single person. There is nothing special that you need to do. You don't need to perform. There is nothing more that you can do because Jesus Christ has done it all. But there is a moment where we have to step into our identity in Christ and know who he is and know who he is in us and know what we have and know how to apply it. So there are people then, um, I will anticipate at least half the questions, there are people then who have, and I know this isn't just about miracles, but there are people who have prayed for, I've prayed for someone, say, and, well, they didn't seem to get any better. And I felt like I was really believing. So what, what do I then do? Because I've come to you with these questions a few years ago. You know, you were really helping me at that, at that point. And I would come to you and say, well, I just I can't see anything going on here. Or, or this person doesn't seem to be any better. What do I do? What do you do? You walk through those disappointing times. <laughs> yes. Because they're disappointing. Yeah. Be prepared to be disappointed. Yeah. Because we don't always get 100% on yeah. stuff. Yeah. That being said, it should never stop us from going for that 100%. The desires of your heart to see the dead raised, demons cast out, lepers restored, heal the sick, those are the desires he's placed in your heart. They're not just throwaway words. All of us are able. All of us are able the question is, can we be willing? Most of the miracles that I've seen have been in my workplace. And you can't run away from there. So <laughs> you see the good ones, you see them when things don't quite work out. But God is still God. 
And just because some, you didn't see something physically happen at that time doesn't mean that something hasn't happened. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Bless you. <laughs> so one of the things that you have said, I think it's probably true for me as well, but I know you've, you've very much said that when you pray for people who don't know Jesus, you see a much higher, I'm going to call it success rate, than when you pray for I'm going to use the word church folk. Why is that? Another tough question. You're picking on me now. Uh, Okay. I'm not trying to make a doctrine or a theology out of this, but from observation. I can only talk from my observation and my own experience. On the street, in your workplace, in the marketplace, anywhere else where you're healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, doing all that stuff, people don't have preconceived ideas about God. Almost zero. That's right. And so they have no baggage that comes along with that. And they have no theologies or doctrines to support anything or decline anything. They're in pain. They don't want pain. It's really that simple. They're hungry. They're wanting a miracle. There's no rain. They want to see rain. Right? Unfortunately, when amongst us brethren, us uh, church folk, we come from, we, we bring a long line of history with us. And in that history that we bring with us, sometimes we tend to believe on the history that we know instead of the God that we're meant to know. And then those histories become sacred cows. In our lives. Yeah. And then some of them need to be put to death. Because they're refusing. And they're causing unbelief. Towards you and God. If that makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm still on. We believe in the history we know. Instead of the God we're supposed to know. I'm still camped there for a minute. <laughs> that is. That is probably that probably sums up where God is looking to bring the church out of. Does it not? Does it not feel like that? We, well, I, I, do, I do mean this church, but I mean the, the, the church. We've had, that, we've had that word to us here about God dismantling the circus of the church. And there's nothing wrong with circuses, right? It's not, it's not a sin. It's not a bad thing. God's just saying, you've got to let go of some of the clobber to find me. Because the clobber is too distracting. And the invitation is to find me. God wants a people who, as Herb says, are walking daily in him. Like it's difficult to tell where God ends and you begin. Like that, that thing. That we walk aware. I think Bill Johnson talks about the Holy Spirit being like a dove on your shoulder and you're just so aware. They're easily startled. And you, you move around very... Well, of course, the Holy Spirit's in here, but like you move around with that awareness. I mean, if just in this room, if we were able to know, and I include myself in this, fully know who we are in God, this town this precious town and this county would be shaken. I mean shaken. 
Sometimes it's just lazy. We pray for revival. It's just lazy discipleship sometimes. Of course we want God to pour out. Of course we do. God's saying, you want me to pour from above? Streams of living waters will flow from within. And he's saying, church, wake up. Revival is within you. If we all, this week, just went away, spoke to someone about Jesus, got one person healed, and one person said yes to Jesus, and then we went the next week, and everyone who was in here then, which is then double, and they can go to other churches, doesn't matter. You know what I mean. That doubles and doubles and doubles. Hello, revival. Right? Instead of us just, oh, God, we wait for you to pour it all out on us. God says, don't be lazy. I'll pour out as and when, but actually I've poured in and I'm waiting for you to pour out. The segues really well. The segues really well into a question. Can we turn the sexy lights off and put the, all the lights on if we wouldn't mind? Just so I can well, see some faces. These lights will have to stay on, but the other ones will yeah, come yeah, yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Turn this, yeah, turn all the lights sexy on. Sexy lights. Wow. <laughs> we make the stage look sexy. It's good. It's a good job. <laughs> so... Uh, Here's my question. I've got a roving mic if you need me to. Okay, cool. And ideally, you probably want to ask this question to the people sitting next to you. Yeah? Because you've heard enough of us chatting up here. But here's the question. At what stage did Christianity stop looking like discipleship? I know. My wife told me this. What did she say? Write it down. Yeah, she said write it down. Break it down. Break it down. Okay. Christianity that we know, that we know right now, that you live, that I live, in the Western world, even around the world, when did Christianity stop looking like discipleship? So to me, I'm getting bored of this place. Um, so to me, discipleship. No, no, I'm just trying to break it down. I'm trying not to, yes. Okay. <laughs> Discipleship comes at a cost. Christianity doesn't. Boom. Okay. So talk to each other now. We'll take about five minutes. When did Christianity stop looking like discipleship? Uh-huh. Talk to each other. This is... Just a tiny little bit in brackets. We talked about last time, last week. We talked about October the sixth, seventh. That Saturday. I'm just putting a pin in it yet again. We want it to be a little bit like this and some, without the constraints of we've only got 18 minutes left. So please, 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 if you can come, we'd love you to come. Absolutely love you to come. So what we're going to do now is we are going to God. He's really kind and he does this thing where you become like the people you spend time with. And it's a nature thing, but it's also a power impartation thing. There is a rubbing of... There's um, a particular friend of ours um, who wears this beautiful perfume. um, And she's always perfumed up, this friend of ours. And um, if you give her a hug, then afterwards you go around smelling of her. And um, even only the other day, I said to Nick, guess who I bumped into? <laughs> and, and I got her to come and sniff me, and she sniffed my T-shirt and went, oh, did you see? So I won't say the name because it will embarrass her. But, um, uh, and yes, there's something about that as well. 
You become like the people you spend time with and God is ready to impart and say, I'll give you some of what I've got. Is that? Yes. Over to you. Okay then. (laughs) Why don't we all stand? And I know that we're, uh, we're in the, the, the British church, but why don't we all lift our hands? Just lift your hands. You're not being forced to, but do it anyway. <laughs> Spirit of God, we yield to you. We desire to be living sacrifices. We relinquish our will to yours. Truly, God, have your way. Holy Spirit, lead us. And right now, power of God just come and rest upon each and every single individual in this place and those online that are watching right now come upon set free those that are bound open the eyes of our hearts Open our ears so that we can hear. We want to see you. We want to see you. We want to see you moving in our lives. And we want to see you move in our lives as we impact other lives. Help us to be obedient to your call, which is to lay down our lives for our friends. Encourage us, build us up, give us bravery to step out and minister to each other right now, to see things that we've never seen before. But most of all, God, the thing that truly matters is that we will be brought into maturity, into knowing who you are. We want to know you. We desire to know you. We desire to know you. There is nothing more important than you. Nothing more important than knowing you. Jesus, nothing more important than knowing you, Abba. Nothing more important than knowing you, Holy Spirit. We choose to be led by you, Spirit of God. Have your way. Now with that, people of God in this room be free to minister to each other right now don't depend on the man of God, the priest you are priests go and minister that's your permission go 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 if God is speaking to you for someone, go don't be afraid 
for those of you who are either in pain or require healing, why don't you guys come to the front? And we can get people to pray for you as well. Come on up, don't be shy. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week, and remember you're loved.